Wednesday afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, welcome on in to Spotlight, a Brass Ring Media podcast. How's it going? I'm Zach Haydorn, your host. Pumped to be here. It's Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. It's like 60 degrees in uh, in uh, in Chicago here. And uh, yeah, we're here to talk a little bit of wrestling. We're here to spotlight one topic, one wrestler, one piece of news in this wacky wrestling business that we all love and that we all follow. Pumped to be here. Chat is rolling. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan wants less hats and more book plugs. I think I've plugged the book quite a bit, actually. Um, and by the way, it will be out soon in print edition when you can get it right off of Amazon if you haven't pre-ordered it already. Um, a lot of you have pre-ordered it, which I thank you, thank you, thank you for. Uh, but soon, if you missed your opportunity to do that, um, you'll be able to do it soon. Stunning. The wrestling artistry of Steve Austin um, hitting Amazon and bookshelves before you know it. <laughs> thank you, Ryan, for joining us. Yeah, we've got a big, uh, big show planned for you guys today. Um, pumped to spotlight a wrestler that I don't know that if you would have told me um, three, four years ago that, hey, you're going to be doing a full show on this wrestler and and he is going to be a world champion for one of the two you know national wrestling promotions in the United States. I would have said, who, who are we talking about here? Who are we talking about here? Roman Reigns? <laughs> Adam Cole? You know, I just don't think this gentleman was on the short list to have that honor or to have that responsibility um, four years ago. He just, he just wasn't somebody that you would think of. Um, but now you fast forward four years and here he is, the AEW world champion, Samoa Joe. And I wanted to take this opportunity to, to spotlight Joe for, for a couple different reasons. One being, you know, he's got a big title match coming up um, at AEW Revolution. Dynamite is tonight, and there's only one more left before we get um, to uh, the Revolution pay-per-view a week from this Sunday. And I, you know, we've seen AEW in the last, I don't know, four weeks or so kind of like level out and and find itself a little bit, especially Dynamite, especially Dynamite, not so much Collision and, and Rampage yet. Those still are two shows that are kind of kind of just flying out there in the wind. But Dynamite has felt to me like it's been locked down and locked down in a way that uh, for, for the better, for the better, that's made the product better, that's made um, it easier to follow. Uh, and just more fun to watch, more entertaining um, start to finish. And you can trace AEW leveling itself out all the way back to when Samoa Joe became the AEW world champion. I think that it's um, a, a pivotal kind of moment for, for AEW in, in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different ways. Um, and... We're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about Joe's history. We're going to talk about his run um, prior to AEW and, you know, what, where he was and what he did and how he became um, so notorious uh, to be a pro wrestler. Um, also talk a little bit about Dynamite a little bit later in the show and uh, take your questions and take your calls. Hello to 
uh, Sean in the chat who's joined us. Ryan's already there. And everybody else who's watching us live here on YouTube and on Twitter and elsewhere, uh, thanks for being here. This is Spotlight. It is a Brassring Media podcast. We are live with this show, 3 Eastern, every single week. Um, and we're also live throughout the week on the Brassring Media YouTube channel all week long, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, twice on Thursday. We are live here bringing you um, – the best pro wrestling analysis and the best pro wrestling discussion in the business bar none. Um, if you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button for us. It helps us out a lot. Um, and that way, you know, when we've got new content up on the channel, if you hit the notification button as well, um, you'll know exactly when we're live. And, um, why wouldn't you want to know that, <laughs> right? If you want to read our content, we also have written content that goes up daily on our Brassring Media Substack page. So head over to Substack, search Brassring Media, and you can find that. Also, if you just search Brassring Media Substack in Google, you will we will be the first thing that pops up. <laughs> so you will, uh, hit, it's easy to find us, easy to find us. And once you're ready for the full Brassring Media experience, um, dive right in, become a Patreon member. It is a blast. I have no qualms saying that. As a Brassring Media member, you get full access to all of our written content. You get a bonus member-only podcast every single week. You get our pay-per-view and PLE review shows, which we will have one this weekend uh, for Elimination Chamber. That's Tyler, myself, and sometimes some guests uh, to review. Uh, the pay-per-view or major wrestling event within 24 hours from when it's uh, from when it aired live. So quick turnaround on that. Um, and then also you get access to our Brassring Media Discord community, which has just been an absolute blast. Um, and uh, yeah, you can interact, engage with other uh, wrestling fans, with other members about wrestling, of course, but about other topics too: music, TV shows, movies, video games, sports, Everything and anything. <laughs> we are there. Um, and uh, you can do all of that as a Brass Ring Media member. Uh, Patreon.com backslash Brass Ring Media. That's Patreon.com backslash Brass Ring Media. It's only $4 a month, you guys. $4 a month gets you, um, gets you access to everything. So give us a shot. We'll do all we can uh, to earn your business. As for today, Super Chats are open. If you want to get your questions or comments in on Samoa Joe, we'll make sure to read those live on the air. Super Chats help us out. Keep the show moving. Um, keep Brassring Media, media going. Um, so every little bit of a contribution can help. Uh, we certainly do appreciate it in advance. So uh, those are open if you so choose. Let's talk Samoa Joe, though. And let's dive in. We'll start with this run as AEW world champion and a lot of love for Samoa Joe in the chat right now. Ryan said saying he's a huge Samoa Joe Mark loved his brief run in ROH in 2015 before he went to NXT. Sean love me Samoa Joe, a lot of love for Samoa Joe going on. And my guess is um, not my guess. I know that that's the opinion of a lot of wrestling fans out there. He's the AEW world champion. And I think he has been a very important figure um, to AEW in the last, you know, the last three, four months. Think back to, you know, the, the Russell dream pay-per-view or the, or like the, like right before the new year, you know, where AEW was, it was so messy, you know, I mean, it was just messy. It was just, you had comedy skits at the top of the card. MJF was you know, a big star, but floundering as a champion, you know, you didn't have the titles, 
you know, uh, presented as the most important thing um, that was going on in, in the in the company. You just it's just a lot of like stuff was disconnected from itself. Like it, it wasn't a very cohesive presentation of AEW, which just inherently isn't cohesive all the time. But this was like a whole nother level of, of bad connectivity, storyline to storyline, star to star, title to title. It just was, it just was a mess. It just was messy. And, you know, I think what Samoa Joe provided the company at the time that he won the world title is like just carte blanche to just be the the iron like the iron fist champion in AEW, but also like just from a backstage perspective it's like this guy's our champion it's joe joe's the guy and he's not gonna mess around he's not trying to be you know an entertain like a like a sideshow skit type champion like mjf He's not trying to like finesse or just a weird like devil storyline, you know, uh, if as Adam Cole, he's not trying to be funny and get laughs like a uh, Dan Housen or like, uh, you know, uh, the Bang Bang Scissor Gang or anything, anything like that. It's just Joe is the champion. He's a champion prize fighter, professional wrestler that is the best, that thinks he's the best, that holds the title that says he's the best. And everybody's got to go through him if they want to become world champion and become the top guy in AEW, And they needed that. I think they really needed that at that time. It just helped. I always talk about like having the show where everything in some capacity is pointing at the world title and AEW didn't have that for a long time. And I think the show felt that and was hurt because of that. Um, but as soon as Joe became champion and he cut that first promo where he's like, look, you're going to, you're come, you're, everybody's coming after me and you have to go through me to be the top guy of the company. And I'm going to put a rating ranking system together. Uh, albeit that's a little silly, but I mean, from a character perspective, I, I, I bit like he wants there to be a clear line of challengers that are up against him. He said that. And then he put it into fruition. You, it, it just did a nice job of smoothing out the edges of the show. All of a sudden, with Joe as the champion, everything's focused towards him. Even like a feud, um, you know, the feud like Hangman Page and, uh, and Swerve Strickland, you know, that was happening. But in the background, looming was a title shot for those guys if they if they won, right? Um, Hook, even somebody like Hook, who doesn't get a lot of promo time, doesn't get a lot of time to talk or develop his character, you know, he's able to come out there, say that he wants a shot at Samoa Joe, and – all of a sudden, he becomes, you know, a, a, a bit of an elevated star. The whole company got more focused on what really draws in professional wrestling when Joe became the AEW World Champion. So he helped AEW level out, and you know, and that's on camera. Behind the scenes, we know what he did at All Out or All In. Excuse me, to kind of, uh, I don't know if he, I wouldn't necessarily call what he did diffusing the situation between CM Punk, Jack Perry, and Tony Khan. But he quickly was able to get everybody to realize, hey, we got a show to do in about two minutes. Uh, everybody get their, get their you-know-what together, and let's go, let's go do business. Like, Joe did that. And, like, I think in a meta way, Tony Khan appreciated that uh, and, uh, you know, was able to talk some sense into CM Punk at the time and got the job done and got that match in the ring 
when it when it needed to get get there. And so, you know, so he levels out the company backstage in that moment also. So he has been like the steady hand that rules over AEW. And I I just think that if if AEW is able to build on this momentum and build on this foundation that they've set, you know, we haven't seen um Joe move tickets. You know, that's something that he's not, you know, been able to do from a from a just a data perspective. Um ratings have increased a little bit. Um but so there's not a there's not a ton of like specific business metrics that you can tie to Joe as champion. But if you are watching the show on a week to week basis, um you know, you know that those business metrics are not necessarily in line with, you know, shows being really good and being really effective and being really efficient. It lags, you know, it takes a while for people to kind of trust the product again. And so, you know, I don't, we'll see, we'll see if five months from now, you know, if they, if AW is kind of building back up again and selling more tickets and doing better in the ratings, you know, we'll look back at this time and go, okay, this was, this was Joe, you know, this was, this was Joe. Joe helped, you know, stop AEW from, uh, from the free fall that they were in. Um, and, and I know it sounds harsh to kind of, uh, to kind of say it in that way, but man, I mean, it's true. It's, it's true. Like it, it, I felt that it was in a bit of a free fall and then, and Tony Khan really needed to like, catch some of the balls in the air and he used Joe to do that. Are you guys surprised that Joe, you know, was able to kind of succeed in, in doing that? Like, were you surprised that like of all the talent that's on that roster, that he's the guy that gets to beat MJF for the world title and hold the, and hold the, the AW world championship and give it back its prestige. Curious, curious about that. I'll run a, we'll run a poll here in the, in the live chat. Um, so don't feel like you have to submit a super chat, <laughs> a super chat on this, unless you want to, of course, but yeah, just drop it in there. Cause I'm curious what you guys think. Like I, I was a little surprised because, or at least, at least in the moment I was surprised. And after taking a step back and looking at it and looking at his career, and we'll get to that in a minute, he was the perfect guy in a lot of ways, but in the moment I'm like, Boy, <laughs> Joe had been on the roster for a long time. It's not like he was like a new face to the AEW roster. But, I mean, there was a good, what, four, five-month period there where he wasn't even on Dynamite. He wasn't even on Collision or Rampage. Like, he just, like, didn't have anything to do. Like, he kind of came back into the fold when Collision started and he had the little feud with CM Punk. Um he was in the the Owen Hart the Owen Hart Cup tournament and and he was there. But prior to that, I mean, my goodness, like he just wasn't, um, I, I, he I, he just wasn't around, or or he was in Ring of Honor as the the ROH Television Champion, and that's you know not necessarily a great place to be. And he certainly wasn't a featured guy. He wasn't even on that show regularly. Um, so he just kind of was like a bit lost as a character. So when they decided to put like a major focus on Joe and MJF, even back to like the grand slam uh, event at Arthur Ashe stadium, it felt a little weird to me. Cause at that time I was like, okay, that's a good match for MJF. Like build Joe up for a little while. And then, um, and then after that, 
you know, have MJF beat him, and then you move on. And I thought, okay, that played out just fine. But the idea that they would go back to him, that was a little bit surprising, especially when he goes and wins the wins the world title. And the votes are coming in here with uh, some surprise. <laughs> Ryan making a point of uh, Samoa Joe being in the right place, right time, you know. And I think there's something to that too. Omega hurt, MJF hurt, the Bucks not interested. Um, you know, Adam Page and Swerve doing their thing, like so. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of options. You know, I, I Adam Cole hurt too. So I think that's a good point. Good point to call out, Ryan, that, uh, that you know, he was the right guy at the right, right time. But, A, you have to deliver. And, B, I don't know. I think that, that happens a lot with, with world title reigns. You know, sometimes you just luck into a situation where, you know, you get, you know, you get an opportunity. Like, you think back to, like, Kofi Mania. And how things like were never supposed to go down that path, but some injuries happened. Um, you know, Kofi got a spot in an elimination chamber match that he, you know, wasn't ordinarily going to get. He has a hell of a showing in that match, and then you know, then you're off to the races. And so, it very, uh, very, 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 very similar. Very, very similar. Um, Azan, welcome to the welcome to the show. We do work. We do work. What do you think this is? This is uh, this is hard. The labor right here. No, I'm just kidding. No, this is fun work. That's for sure. Um, so, yeah. So I was surprised about Joe. But when you look at Joe's career and you look at, like, what he's accomplished as a pro wrestler, I think it's hard to remember. And I didn't really remember it till I even wrote it down. And I didn't write it down in all that much detail either. I just kind of made some notes about like his journey and where he was and where he's been. Samoa Joe has been like this kind of guy in all the companies that he's that he's worked for. All of them. Um, you know, going back to Ring of Honor, like you know, yes, obviously he spent some time away from Ring of Honor, but Ring of Honor was the first place that he really cut his teeth and made a name for himself. But he did that as like the top guy, you know, as like the top guy in the company. I mean, he made his mark on that company and on the wrestling industry with the long ROH world title run that, that he had. And before that, like Joe was not a known commodity like that, that title reign, that title run, excuse me, that title run made Joe and it made Ring of Honor in a lot of ways. So you had a company like Ring of Honor who was new to the mix, um, just attached themselves to Joe's back and Joe, you know, he rides him or they ride him, you know, all throughout all their success that they had in the early to mid, early to mid 2000s. Like a lot of that ROH growth um, and intrigue was rooted and built on the back of Samoa Joe. He was a top guy in that company who drew money, you know, for that company and had really good matches in that company against all comers. And if you guys haven't seen like the Joe, anything from that Joe title run in, uh, in ROH, I forget when it started, 03 maybe? 03 or 04, something like that. Um, you got to go check out some matches from that. They're on YouTube. You can find Samoa Joe ROH world title matches. But, I mean, he had them with, with everybody. Obviously, you know, big ones that stand out to me 
are the, the the trilogy matches with CM Punk. He had some really gory matches with uh, with Jay Briscoe. Uh, he had some good ones with Austin Aries, Paul London. He had some good stuff there. I mean, he really wrestled like a who's who of you know independent talent. You know, back in the early to mid two thousands, a lot of guys who are in prominent positions now are, are guys that you know that uh, Brian Danielson uh, is another one. Um, that he had really, really good matches with. So go back and check out that run. And I, and you can't, like, if you just watched a match, you can't really tell, like, like just how important that match was, like, in the context of that time. But that title run was huge for Ring of Honor. I mean, like, company-defining. Like, without that run, I don't know that ROH has um, the nostalgia that it has today with, with fans. I, I'm, I'm certain that it, that it wouldn't. I mean, there's other stars that came through there, CM Punk and Danielson and, and a lot, a lot, uh, a lot happened within ring of honor, um, in its, in its history, but Joe set the tone. He set the tone. He laid the foundation. He set the table, all those cliches that, you know, I love to put out there. Um, you know, that that's Joe. That is Joe. He put Ring of Honor on the map. And I think it's important to, to remember that as we keep going through this, because you're going to see that same type of uh, that same type of verbiage and that same type of impact uh, as you work through um, his career. Um, yes, the chat's bringing up Jay Lethal. Um, absolutely. Joe was central to uh, you know making Jay Lethal the star that he was in ring of honor and, and lethal hasn't had um, anywhere near the success that Joe's had at this point, like in terms of just working in NXT and working in, uh, in, uh, in WWE, like, you know, Joe cer certainly had a bigger career, but uh, yeah, a lot of stuff that Joe did um, with lethal and ROH is, is, was really strong stuff. The stuff that he did with Loki too, um, you know, those matches are, <laughs> I don't know that they age all that well, uh, but it's certainly at the time was, was big time, was big time matches. There's so much stuff that you can go check out. I'll try to drop some, some links to some matches in our, uh, um, on the, uh, on the uh, Brass Ring Media Twitter page. Uh, so you can follow us there at Brass Ring underscore media. Um, so you guys can check out some of that stuff, but um, do it because you'll be happy that you did. So, that, so Ring of Honor is where we kind of got, his start but again he did so as a top guy he goes from there you know he's got the run in tna um and really once again um helped that company that's <laughs> right i'm not sure low-key ages well in general no he, he does not he does not i was watching total sidebar here on, on loki this is not a spotlight on loki um hey maybe that will be a show in the future i don't know but I was watching Loki and it was a match that he had. I want to say, I want to say that it was from the first death before dishonor show. And he just, I think it was, I think, was it special K Ryan? Check me on that. That was the kind of like the, the, it, it was a group of wrestlers that were all like really small, really tiny. Um, and Loki just interrupts one of their segments. I, I'm pretty sure it was the first Death Before Dishonor show. It just obliterates this guy. Like, it's not even a wrestling match. It's like, it's almost like a criminal assault. Like, it's really bad. And I, I think at the time, you may watch that, you may have watched that and went, oh, wow, like, dude, this guy's crazy. This guy's intense. Like, man, 
and now you now I watched it back and was like, whoa, that's not cool. Like that is there's taking liberties and there's working stiff, and then there's just beating a guy to a pulp just because you you feel like it. And and that's that's what Loki uh kind of reminds me of uh these these days when I see clips of him. So yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny, Ryan. Good stuff. Um, but back to Joe. So Joe leaves, he doesn't leave ROH, but he starts working in tandem with them and and TNA. And he plays a similar role in TNA that he did that he does in Ring of Honor, but just on a little bit of a different level, thanks to, I don't know, politics and wrestling. <laughs> that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen, right? Um, no, but Joe, like, look, there's a crop of TNA guys, like Joe, Christopher Daniels. AJ Styles, there's others too. Um, but like that, that, that X division of like the mid 2000s, um, you know, he, he, like they ran the show there. And if you were watching, you know, TNA at that time, you know, and a lot of and people were, people were. So I don't want to like rag on TNA here, but it wasn't because of like, you know, Jeff Jarrett. You know, he was kind of the face of TNA, but like the workhorses of TNA were people at like the Samoa Joe level. And Joe, as Azan is saying in the chat here, he he got a push once again, you know, out of the gate in TNA. Top guy. He was the X Division champion soon uh, upon, you know, working with that company and quickly became synonymous. He had that amazing triple threat with Daniels and AJ Styles at Unbreakable in 2005. Uh, if you haven't seen that match, Find it. It's awesome. One of the best triple triple threat matches you'll see. Um, so there's a common denominator there. Joe works as a pushed star, as a pushed entity. Happened in Ring of Honor. He became synonymous with TNA, workhorse of that company. Didn't get the credit he deserved in that company, to be honest. Like, if you go back to, like, the mid-2000s, and Joe is coming out of his run with ROH and riding that momentum of the title reign there. Like Joe was a pretty big, un, you know, uh, independent name at that time. And it's it's amazing to me that you that and, and look, I'm not breaking any news here, but like TNA had a roster full of potential talent. AJ Styles there got a decent push, a big push, but never, you know, like the push he should have gotten as like their homegrown guy. Joe, same way. Same same thing. Um, there was always somebody coming in that was just a little bit like higher than him. And those people, most of them, you know, didn't didn't deliver. You know, Christian Cage, good star, good get. But, you know, I think looking back, you'd much rather push Joe harder, you know, than 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 you did Cage. And Joe always just kind of got like cut off at the knees, you know, when that next big, big push should have been for him. And it didn't happen. But he still like was a guy, was a top guy, was an impactful guy. People watched TNA at that time to see Joe, you know, and to see others at his level. So, so, so he's there. And he goes, he has a first back with, with ring of honor, but eventually the next big move in the career is into NXT. Same thing right out of the gate. Top guy. Top guy in NXT. He debuts at one of the NXT takeovers after the main event, and he's positioned immediately 
as like a tip top guy. He wasn't champion right out of the gate, but he was clearly like a focused guy. It was one of those big independent signings at that time where it'd be like every single takeover, a new, a new indie guy would, would, uh, would make an appearance in NXT. And Joe was one of the first ones that, that, that happened to. Um, and then he delivered there too, carried that, carried that company, helped make NXT into the third brand um, that it is today. You know, I mean, he was, he was a part of that, him and Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura and like that crop of talent that even, this was even after like Sami Zayn and, and Kevin Owens, um, you know, that it was Joe and Joe, you know, led them out on the road for the first time when they would do, you know, house show loops and the, the, you know, the coconut loop in Florida that was on the back of Samoa Joe. So again, you've got three major stops in his career and three different times where he is like the guy in, in the company, the like a focus, a big focus. And he delivers. Eventually he gets called to the main roster and yeah, it doesn't go as well for him there. Does it? <laughs> It doesn't go as well for him there. However, however, yeah, he's not positioned as the guy. But on the main roster, he has had feuds, major feuds, with the likes of Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, AJ Styles as as champion, Brock Lesnar. I mean, that's that's like a who's who of, you know, like 2015, 2016, 2017 WWE, for better or worse, <laughs> right? I mean, like, it wasn't all like, they did not have the, the same, um, they did not have the same, like, star, or the same momentum, I guess. The company didn't have the same momentum then as it did now. Roman Reigns, in, in particular, I mean, my goodness, he was running on fumes as a, as a baby face, but like, you know, that's still, you're working the top, the top guys in, in the company at that time. So Vince, you know, still saw enough in Joe to put him against those guys. He had a singles world title match against Brock Lesnar. I mean, there's not many people that have had that match on, on, uh, on pay-per-view suffering succotash. Yeah. That was the suffering succotash era of Roman Reigns. Not good. Still, still a top guy. Um, and when you look back at that, uh, that Brock Lesnar match in particular, like Joe was hot at that time. If you remember some of those promos that he cut, there's a, there was one of the, one promo in the ring where, and I think that that was, this was actually for uh, a fatal four match that they had at SummerSlam between Brock, Joe Roman and Braun Strowman. But I mean, Joe gets in Brock's face and cuts a promo and demands that he looks at him in the eyes when he's talking to him. It's great stuff. Um, and so, you know, the, like he, he had himself a hot run and had he won that match against Brock Lesnar. Like, I think that you, you get a, um, you get like kind of the Joe that you have now as, as a champion, someone with a lot of credibility, somebody who, um, you know, like can, can carry a company and can wrestle with, with the best of them. Like that's Joe. And even at the, even in WWE, that's Joe. And so I think you might look back at like, um, 
like look back at his WWE run and go, ah, you know, they messed that up. And it wasn't it wasn't great, you know, like it, again, the matches weren't great. Um, the just he was kind of like that gatekeeper heel, right? Like the heel that you could plug in to a big pay-per-view main event if you needed it, but also some guy that's equally as effective, like right in the middle of the card or at the upper part of the mid card. Um, that was him. And he never really got past that. Um, so it was okay. But when you look at like just the business of it, you know, you can't work more top guys at that time period than, than Joe did. So I think when you break it down that way and, you know, probably if you talk to Samoa Joe, he'd go, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> I had matches with all these top guys. You know, and so, and yeah, like, I, and it's hard to argue with that. What, what about the announcer run for Samoa Joe? I will never forget the first WrestleMania out of COVID. And Joe is the, uh, one of the announcers. He's not wrestling anymore. And, and Joe has gone on record as saying that, like, it was a self-imposed break for him uh, to re recover from injuries. Um he just he has said that he needed he needed time to just take a break and heal and recover and his plan was to always come back. But at that time, WrestleMania 37, right, like in the kind of in the middle of COVID, where they had um, uh, the, the the football field in Tampa, you know, filled the like what 25 percent capacity or something to that effect, like something really really small and really bizarre <laughs> when you when you look back on it. But you start on a show in the pouring rain and storming. And Joe is on television. He's got a huge poncho on with Michael Cole there. And it's just like, oh my God, is this, is this, is this Samoa Joe? So yeah, the announcer run, well, it wasn't great, but, but, you know, Joe did fine. Like Joe was able to really make, you know, a, a, an impact at, you know, as an announcer, like he knows how to sell angles. He knows how to sell, characters he can be you know the heel announcer um effectively and so yeah not an ideal role for him but i don't think that he really like butchered that do you guys like i don't i don't think so not a, not a good spot for him but hey if he's got to be taking a break and he's got this self-imposed like hey yeah i'm not i'm uh gonna take some time off like oh you know being an announcer isn't the worst thing in the world for him he was able to deliver and was able to do it so my point to go through that history here as briefly as, as we did, I mean, we could do probably, I mean, we could have a whole different podcast just on, <laughs> just on Samoa Joe, like just on you know, <clears throat> running through his matches. And I mean, there's so much meat on the bone there as far as he goes. But my point is that Joe really should be looked at um, as a, as an important figure in professional, in professional wrestling, in, in modern day professional wrestling. He has done it all and has been a guy who like, if you look at him in 2006, you're not saying to yourself that he's ever going to have a WWE run. He just didn't have like that Vince McMahon look at all. He didn't have the WWE style at all. He didn't have, even at that time, like the talking ability. He didn't have that at all. He, he just didn't have all of that stuff. Um, but what he did have, what he always had, was this top guy credibility. Credibility of a guy that when he walks through the curtain, 
you're worried. <laughs> you're worried that he is going to destroy you or you're the opponent that you love or hate. Like he has that it factor, that it factor of like, oh man, this guy's walking down the street. I think I'm going to like, just, I'm not, don't make eye contact. Like he has that and it's so authentic and it's so real. And that's his biggest, like his biggest attribute as a wrestling star is that charisma. Cause is he the best in the ring? No. Is he the best on the microphone? No. Does he have the best move set? No. But man, he brings like a specific dangerous charisma to, to everything that he does. And that I think is what promoters and companies are able to tap into. He's real. He is real. And he has been his whole career. You can look at it from the very beginning to right now. That's what stands out. That ability to be authentic and to be real people and fans want to buy into wrestling the way Joe does it. There are places in wrestling for, um, for, for timeless Tony storm. There are places in wrestling for, you know, gimmicks like the undertaker and Kane and, you know, and our truth. Like there are, there are places in wrestling for that. And those they're all supremely talented, uh, performers and wrestlers. Um, but like the fundamental part of professional wrestling, I think Joe really does almost perfectly. And I don't know that he gets his flowers for it all the time. Um, as, uh, as Ryan said here, a wildly underrated career. And yeah, I think so. I think so. Even though he's been everywhere and done everything and held multiple world titles, somehow he still has an underrated career. And, um, but he shouldn't, I mean, he, he has been a valuable piece of the puzzle to, to, to every company that he's worked with which is why he's been able to come from small indie ring of honor to major company WWE to now holding a world title in the secondary national promotion in the country. And not only hold that world title, but do it in, 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 in a, in a really, really, really strong way. And I, again, I go back to what, you know, he's real. You feel it. You feel what he's doing in there. When he talks, you're listening. When he's yelling at you, <laughs> you're listening. Like it's 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 really kind of a a, a personality trait and a, a charisma element that you can't can't teach. You can't put it on. You gotta you gotta kind of have it. And I think Joe does, and he's parlayed that into top positions. Um, at every company he's been at. So he's in, he's in AEW right now. Obviously, he's the world champion. Um, wh- where do we see this going? And Sean, you have a super chat in here um, that you just brought in about that. I appreciate you, man, for contributing to the show. It means a lot. Glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Sean says and asks, how long do you think he will be champion? I would like for him to have a long run, but Swerve and Will Ospreay are coming on strong. Yeah, that's the question, right? I To me... To me, honestly, um, I I think that, like, I think Joe <laughs> kind of in some ways was given the world title to be just like, like, we don't, like, we booked this match with Joe and MJF. We booked that on pay-per-view, and MJF has to take time off. So we don't have a choice. 
we have to go with Samoa Joe here because he's the one in the match and MJF can't have the title. So there's, there's no way to, to dodge it. Like that's just, it has to go to Joe. And so like part of me thinks that that was like a bit of an accident. Um, and so I don't know what the long-term plan was for Joe, but right now seeing what Joe has done for the show, for the championship um, and just the credibility he, he, like he brings to the table. Um, I think Joe has given Tony Khan a reason to keep the belt on him. <clears throat> I really do. And I think that, you know, because Joe is doing so well as champion and is effective as champion, um, I think you, Tony Khan has the, um, the bandwidth now to wait, to wait until you have a hotter, you know, talent to come take it from him. You know, Swerve Strickland is is almost. I think he's almost there. I think he's almost there. I really do. Um, but I but I but I don't think now is the time. Like Revolution is not the time to do that um, for a lot of different reasons. One of them being, you know, it's the show is about Sting. So I don't think you want to have a major kind of career defining title change on that show when it's going to be overshadowed in the end by Sting's last match. You just don't, don't want that. So I think, you know, you have to hold off on Swerve and, but you should be working on Swerve to get to that, to get to that point, get him hot, really hot, sizzling hot as a baby face and then do the switch. I think if you did the switch tomorrow, you wouldn't be getting the most out of it. I still think Swerve has a little bit, has a little bit to go um, in order to, you know, really win that title in a way that gives him and the company the most impact. Um, Will Ospreay, definitely someone you want to look at. Like Will Ospreay is a guy that I think can come in and, you know, beat Joe right away. You know, I mean, I would not have a problem with um, Tony Khan making that call, even though Joe, as I said, for the last 42 minutes that, Hey, Joe has helped reestablish the world title. But Osprey, like he's the young guy. He's a guy that can carry your company in a way that Joe just can't for long term. You know, like Joe's not going to be the champion for a year because, you know, he just he's not that guy anymore. Like he's, you know, he's just older, you know, and I think he's done really well. But I don't think he's a guy that you're that's going to be like, um, you know, propping up your company in 2027. You know, Will Ospreay is. And if you're going to bring in a guy and call him the best in the world and the best wrestler on the planet, like, I, it's hard to, like, not define him in a really strong way. Like, I don't want to see Will Ospreay come in and, you know, just have matches with Takeshita or Will Hobbs. Like, it's got to be something big, something major. Same thing with Okada when he comes in. I mean, how about that match? Okada versus Joe? Sign me up. Sign me freaking up on that one. You know, but same, same idea. I think you can, um, I think you can pull off, you know, doing that, doing that match and that feud and having Okada win. So um, there are some options on the table, but what I think Joe, again, what I think Joe has done is, uh, you know, has, wait, your snoozing is on. Look at this. Look at this guys. How, how offensive that can't possibly be because of my voice. That must be because of my opinion on Okada and uh, Joe, right? Is on. Kidding. You're allowed to have any opinion that you want, guys. Any opinion that you want. Um, the uh, but I, I think Joe has given Tony Khan the gift of time, where it's not 
imperative that you get the belt off of Joe at this point because he's he's done a good enough job. If it's me, if it's me, I'm keeping that belt on Joe um, until all in, and I'm putting Will Ospreay over for the world title at at all in, and that you know, you know MJF if he's back at that time. Okay, you know he's just not in the title match. Like, sorry, like it, it didn't that didn't work. Um, and now you've got another major player in the picture in in Will Osprey. And I think you know you really want to present. He's a big get. He's one of the biggest signings that AW has had. Period. And I think you want to you know really try to you know try to make that guy feel like the most important star you've ever had. And the, like a great way to do that is to put the title on him. You get to put it on him in front of, you know, 60, 70,000 people, Wembley Stadium inside his home country. Like you can't write that any better. So I would be focusing right now on making sure Joe continues to have a dominant run in AEW um, as AEW champion, continues to beat top guys. Um, I would hold off on Swerve. I would hold off on Swerve for a little bit. Um just for that reason, um, you don't want to beat him. Um, but since you may go a different direction in terms of who takes the belt off Joe, you know, again, you don't want them to cross paths. So I would, I think he can beat Adam Page. I think he can beat, you know, somebody like Darby. I think he can beat somebody like um, Adam Cole when he comes back, MJF again when he comes back. Even like Okada uh, would be tough. But I think there's opponents that you can, you know, run out there with Joe between now and August that you know Joe can beat that can add to his resume as champion and then he can drop the title to Osprey you know inside Wembley Stadium so that'd be what I'd that be uh that'll be that would be what I what I uh what I choose but we'll see we will see he's gonna have a triple threat match against uh Adam Page and uh yeah Joe and Moxley great call Azan in our chat um Joe um is going to take on Swerve and Adam Page in a triple threat at Revolution. Eh, it's going to be an okay match. Um, luckily, you're not selling the pay-per-view off of that. <laughs> so, um, you know, you don't uh, have to worry about that, and it can be what it is. I think, you know, I think we know the finish here, guys, right? We know what's going to happen. I think Page is taking the pin, and that's it. Joe versus Taven Ryan would be money. I don't know. The Deathmatch King, Matt Taven? It's not going to waste his time in anything but death matches anymore, Ryan. Come on. Come on now, man. Um, yeah, but Joe's got some, you know, he's got some, uh, he he has made himself into a commodity. And my the point for spotlighting him as we wrap up here, again, is just show that I wanted to like reiterate and kind of just do a show about the journey and how when you really break his career down, he's been an important guy in wrestling since about 2004, you know, um, in a different way than somebody like John Cena or somebody like Randy Orton or, you know, different way than that, but important nonetheless and has contributed at a top level. And now he's really contributing. And like, you can really tie, you know, the success of AEW right now, the last few months to Joe. And um, that's a testament to him, but it's not, an accident. He has shown a propensity for that all throughout his career. And that's why the spotlight this week is right, is right on him. That's it, folks. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. These shows are so fun. I enjoy uh, 
just talking, just diving into one topic. I mean, man, like the news moves so fast. You know, different people are landing in different places all the time in professional wrestling. Um, there's shows all the time. So I like being able to take a step back with you guys, the Breast Ring Media audience, and just kind of shoot the breeze on one specific topic. Take a little bit of a break from the madness and just uh, hone in on, on something important. There are shows in the back catalog like this on Okada and um, Roman Reigns. If you want to, uh, if you want to, 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 to go and check those out, those are there. Um, those were fun and we did them in the same type of format. So hopefully you guys um, check those out. Um, we will be live tomorrow. Once again, three Eastern right here on the brass ring media YouTube channel with our flagship show, a second flagship episode of the week. We will be previewing elimination chamber tomorrow live and also talking about tonight's AEW dynamite. So definitely subscribe definitely um, hit the notification button so that you know when we are live and uh, and you can contribute. And uh, if you like what you heard here, find us in our other places. All right. You'll be happy that you did. We have Substack written newsletter content daily, Brass Ring Media Substack. Just put that into the Google machine and you will get our newsletter. Um, and you can also become a Patreon member. We'd love to have you. We really would. Uh, $4 a month gets you full membership access. There's one tier. That's it. Four bucks gets you everything. Um, Pay-per-view preview shows, access to Discord, um, full access to the newsletter, tons more. Um, so you're definitely going to want to uh, to do that. We will do all we can to earn your business. And we uh, thank you in advance. Thanks to everybody who tuned in live. Thanks to everybody who downloaded this as a podcast after the fact. We appreciate you. And uh, we'll catch you next week right here on Spotlight. See ya.